chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out, that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, and the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise Praise you, Lord Christ. And now with the words of my mouth, and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. The passage that we just read is duplicated also in more detail in Matthew. So we will refer to Matthew in just a little while. But before we do that, I want to start and set the stage of the actual warning that comes after this message. Verses 1 to 8 and 9 are really a preamble, a preparation for the real message that Jesus wants to give them, give his disciples. Chapter one, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 reads, let's decipher this a little bit. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Obviously, it was an impressive building. We know about Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple, we know how it was built. We know the details of what uh, was used in it because God told us. We have it in the Bible. Over the years when that temple had deteriorated, and about 15 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Herod the Great decided he would rebuild the temple to greater glory than it ever had before. And he wanted to be friends with the Jews. He wanted to impress the Jews because his part of the kingdom that he was given uh, the, the, the ruling power over included Israel, included Judah. His brother had another section. But Herod the Great was not the rightful ruler, and he was afraid that there might be an uprising against him, so he wanted to please the Jews. 
It doesn't say so in this particular passage, but Herod the Great, we know, was what they call an Edomite. Edomite. That's from the tribe of Edom. Now, do we remember who Edom was? The tribe of Edom? Esau. Esau. Jacob and Esau. We know in Romans chapter uh, 9, Paul refers back to the birth of Jacob and Esau, and he says Rebecca, when Rebekah was pregnant with the two sons, he refers back and he said, back then God said that I will hate Esau and I will love Jacob, and the younger son would rule over the older son. So you see the background to what's happening here? Who are the, uh, the, the, the descendants of Jacob? Well, not the nurse. The children of Israel. The Jews are the children of Jacob. And the prophecy had been told in the Old Testament. God had said that the children of Jacob, Israel, will rule over the children of Israel. So, of course, Herod was nervous. And he wanted to please his cousins. You know, uh, I had a fellow, uh, I say cousins, I had a fellow from uh, Lebanon who used to run my printing presses. Genius of a man. And uh, he had a very, very big business in uh, Europe. He used to sell printing equipment. Uh, the biggest seller of printing equipment, the guy had his own helicopters uh, landing in the back of his office and stuff. His company went bankrupt and moved to Canada, so he worked for me for a few years. And uh, when we'd go out or when we'd talk, he would all make, uh, he would always refer to the Jews as cousins. He would talk about what was happening in the Middle East. He would always refer to them as cousins. So Jews and Arabs are very aware of the relationships through Ishmael and Isaac. But now here, after Isaac, it goes further into Esau and Jacob. And so these are cousins, but they don't get on very well. Now what did Herod do? He made a temple that was greater, bigger than anything anybody had ever seen. And the stones that we're talking about, the beauty that they were talking about. I'll just give you a little bit of it. Those stones were like 15 feet wide. That's like from this wall to, I'm going to say, to the end of that carpet over there. That's about 15 feet. They're 11 feet high and about 41 feet long. That's one stone. They could be 80 tons. To give you an idea, the average car weighs about 3 tons. 80 tons per rock. Huge rocks. And then what they would do is they would take in between the rocks they would chisel out about a about a half inch deep uh, uh, grout, and then they would uh, uh, put wood inside it, and they would cause the they would wet the wood, and as the as the wood would swell, it would lift up. <coughs> And as it 
the, the rocks were lifted the boundaries to go ahead and shove things in there. Then they would take the grout and they would put gold inside the grout lines. Imagine that. I've been in a home where people had um, faucets. They said it was gold, but I don't think it was gold. Do you think? Sure, uh, that was gold. I think probably gold uh, plated. I knew a guy in Guelph that used to be the pilot for the the king uh, of Jordan. He was uh, their, their pilot, and he would tell he was from India. And he told us, he said, oh, no, in, in their plane, they have solid gold uh, fossils. That sounds like gold. I've heard of that. You played it. No, 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 solid gold. These guys had gold in their growth lines. That's just the outside. So when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. Look at this beautiful. And Jesus said, don't pay attention to all that wonderful stuff. Before too long, not one stone will be left on the other. Look at the effort it takes to move that 80 ton stone and build it up. I'm told we still have stones that are 100 feet high. Build upon each other. Still standing. Look at the number of people that would take the effort, the time, the planning. Not one would stand on its own. You know, people can be dazzled by the beauty of buildings. And it was this desire to make buildings beautiful that eventually ended up starting the Reformation. You're aware of that, right? My sister likes to travel to Europe. She just came back. Last year went back. This year she came back. And she's telling us about St. Peter's Basilica. She took her daughter this time. She was talking about St. Peter's Basilica. And as she was telling the story, I couldn't help but remember that that St. Peter Basilica and the rebuilding of it was what caused indulgences to be used and abused to extract money from people by threat. Destroying people's lives to build an edifice that looks beautiful. But the net result of that is that Martin Luther stood up and said, no, this is not right. The focus ought not to be on the buildings and the focus ought to be away from destroying the souls of people, but building up people and teaching people about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this case, this temple Jesus said, in spite of all the effort that's gone, it'll be destroyed, it'll be brought down. Then he goes on to talk about other things, and he says, but what they were sitting in the Mount of Olives, the disciples are going to tell us what will be the things, when will these things happen, what will be the sign? Jesus said, watch out, that no one 
deceives you. I'm going to ask you to turn now to Matthew chapter 4. For those of you I've been harassing every week to bring your Bibles. And if you still haven't brought your Bibles, turn your phones on and find your Bibles in it. Matthew 24. There's a little more detail about what will happen at the end of the world. This is a question they've asked. Verse 3 in Matthew 24 asks the same question. The disciples went to Jesus and said, Tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of the coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still not come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these will be the beginning of the birth pain. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time we will turn away, and the faith will be betrayed. Uh, will turn away from the faith, and many will turn away from the faith and will betray each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. But who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then will the end come. So Jesus says, there will be earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be wars, nation against nation, people will hate you, you will be persecuted for my sake. Have we seen that in history? For the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of Jesus Christ, millions of people were killed just after the Reformation period, part of the Reformation, the 1600s, from 1610 to uh, 1640, 1618 to 1648, 30 year war. One third of the population of France was decimated. The Huguenots who believed and been promoted and lived by the grace of God, they were destroyed, persecuted, killed. It was they who then moved and settled Canada. They began, that's why we have so much French influence in Canada, because of the persecution in France for the name of Jesus Christ. Wars. We've never seen so much war ever. There has never been so much power on this earth as we see today. We can see the people are being deceived. Look at chapter, uh, verse 23 of chapter 24. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false prophets and false prophets, uh, for false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles. Do you see them? Do you see false signs and miracles? Those miracles are there, but their message is not from God. Their message is all about selfishness and greed. Jesus told us about this. He said this was going to come. But what's interesting, he does not say 
to look for these signs and know that it is time. He doesn't say do anything about it. What he does say is to prepare yourself. I'm going to go back to Mark chapter 13. You, uh, chapter 13, verse 9. So, when you see all these things happening, what are you supposed to do? Run around and tell everybody, oh, hey, look, it's the end of the world. Hey, look, it's the end of the world. Is that, is that what he tells us? Verse 9. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues and so on. The warning is that you prepare yourself Verse 13, brother will betray brother uh, to death, and father against the child. Children will rebel against their parents, and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. The warning is to us individually to prepare yourself for that time. A time will come when we will have to choose to stand for Jesus Christ, or our best friends. Stand for Jesus Christ or our brothers and sisters. Stand for Jesus Christ against our parents. Stand for Jesus Christ against our children. That time will come. But you know, rather than focusing on what Jesus told us to do, which was to make sure we are individually prepared to be strong when that time comes. Not be preoccupied with eschatology, last day events. Don't be preoccupied with what happens at the end of the world. And don't try to find a date for when Jesus is going to come. What does the Bible say about the coming of, the, the return of Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say? Does anybody know? Jesus said, not even the Son of Man. He said, I don't even know what the world is going to end. I don't know. Then he says, he comes as a thief in the night. Then we have the parable of the ten virgins at a wedding. Five wise and five foolish. Did they know when he was going to come? No, they didn't know. Those are all messages to the people of Jesus Christ who say, do not be preoccupied with when he is going to be coming back. But do focus on whether or not you are ready, regardless of when he comes. Now I'm going to make a confession. I know this is not a Catholic church. And we don't do private confessions, but we can do public confessions. So here's a public confession. I grew up in a denomination, the foundation of which was built on the last day events. The pioneers of that denomination believed, they concluded wrongly, that Jesus was going to return in 1844. Not only that he was going to return, in 1844, but on October 22nd, 1844. It was called the Millerite Movement. 
When Jesus did not return in 1844, if you go home now today, go home, look up on the computer, and type in the great disappointment. When Jesus didn't return, if you even have sold everything, I don't know what they did with the money and they would have sold everything. They could have given it away. But they sold everything. And they went to this place. They called it Ascension Rock. Big place where they thought Jesus was going to come, they were going to go to heaven. When it didn't happen, then uh, somebody from that group concluded, oh well, no, it was not the fact that Jesus was going to return physically to this earth, but that Jesus was going to move from one part of the heavenly temple to another part of the heavenly temple. And there he was going to judge the people of this earth who had confessed Jesus Christ to decide who really had confessed all their sins and who did not confess all their sins. The entire focus of the denomination, the foundational doctrine of the denomination, has been and remains the, what they call the investigative judgment, which really is about the time of the end. Here's the date, and we know that Jesus is going to come between here and here. And denomination today is the fastest growing in the world. Over 30 million adherents on a doctrine that is completely unbiblical. On a doctrine that is completely false. On a doctrine that brings people supposedly to the church based on these Prophecies that create fear in the hearts of people. And Christ does not want us to come to Him out of fear. He wants us to come to God through Him because we love our God. When we find out who God is, we cannot help but love Him. We want to go to Him. We want to be with Him. And the only way to go to Him is through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By believing in Him. And that's it. As far as what are we supposed to do about it? The Bible tells us here, in Mark and Matthew, And when the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world, then will the end come. So if I want the end to come, and if I'm desirous of being a part of that time when Jesus returns to this earth to take us home, I would work hard to preach the gospel in all the world. Because that is what the Bible tells me. Is if you preach the gospel in all the world and everybody has heard it and had an opportunity to accept it or reject it, then the Bible tells us the end will come. In the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, it talks about the last days. It talks about the three angels that give the last messages to the world. And the message of the angel is this. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. That's it. We need to reject the teachings, the doctrines that are man-made. Whether those traditions 
Our traditions that my father followed or I followed, if they're not biblical, I've got to give them up because the word of God stands alone. High and mighty over anything else. We have to examine what we're being taught, whether our traditions stand up to the scrutiny of the Bible. Jesus tells us we will be deceived. Jesus tells us many will fall. So don't fall. Straight to stay true to the word. The question that you have to ask, and you must ask, is how do you know that this preacher is teaching the word of God? How do you know that you're not being deceived? Do you know how? Study your Bibles at home. Study the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the same Spirit of God that guided those who wrote the Scripture will guide you into all truth. Bible. The same Scripture. You don't need no preacher. You need the Word of God. You need the Word of God. Take whatever is said, take whatever is preached, and go home and verify that what is said is biblical. Otherwise, you may fall. I had a great debate in one of my churches where a fellow wanted to preach, badgered me about preaching. But I knew the doctrines that he wanted to preach. And I wouldn't let him preach. Went to another church. I had a fellow come to my church many years ago, big church. For a couple of years, I just preached the gospel, the straight gospel. Love the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to God through Jesus Christ. This man, very popular man, handsome fellow, great oracle. Came from New York, I knew his family. And in one sermon, it destroyed two years worth of teaching. People always think that the preacher who's the big guest preacher has got a big name. Knows better. Nobody knows better than the Word of God. He took the gospel of Jesus Christ and talked about how we ought to live and prepare for our judgment that we may be judged righteous by works. Make sense to people. After that day, I became very, very cautious about who takes the pulpit. Very cautious. Therefore, I'm not a big fan of giving up the pulpit because you can beat your heart out for years. And one false sermon can destroy your congregation. A warning to you is I can do the same thing. I could be preaching something that is not good. It is for that reason that I harass you guys every week to bring your Bibles, verify what is said. Go home. Study the Bible. 
make sure that you learn the word of God. That together we may grow to know and love this God and His Son Jesus Christ. That we may be prepared for that day when He does return. Don't let yourself be bothered by the signs and wonders of the last days that are taking place out there. Just pray that whenever it happens, you are ready. And pray for me that I may be ready. May God bless us as each of us go on our knees when we go home and make time to study and to pray to the Lord that we may come close to Him and to one another.